time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Thanks for joining us today, and we've got another great show on the way here on Reengineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group, with an office in Chad's Ford, PA. You can get in touch by visiting us online, cpweldygroup.com. We've got a great show on the way today. Charles, we're talking all about one of the most popular investment vehicles in the entire country, of course, 401ks. Everybody uh, who's listening to today's show has probably at some point in time had a 401k. Uh, maybe not everybody, but a good chunk or majority. Would I be safe in saying that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Most companies um, you know, offer 401ks. In the past, you know, a lot of companies would uh, put in a certain percentage of your salary you know, up to a certain level. And today, like less and less companies are doing that. But 401ks are still like a, a good alternative for many investors. So today's show is dedicated to that investment vehicle, the 401k. All questions, uh, we'll think of it as like a frequently asked questions section of a website on today's show for these 401ks. So I'm going to rattle off some common questions that we get about 401ks. Charles, you tell us how you handle these conversations with folks and uh, what else we need to consider about each of these things. So we're going to cover a lot of ground on today's show. So first of all is the idea of uh, free advice or getting advice for a very low fee this is what some companies offer to their employees. Is it a good idea to take advantage of that free advice or low fee advice that you get from uh, whoever's administering that employer plan or from your employer itself? Yeah, I would say so without hesitation. I mean, uh, you know, whether it's free or very low fee, I, I think it's important to get, you know, another person's point of view on, you know, what you're invested in, the pluses and the minuses. So, you know, I mean, even like, you know, clients of ours, I mean, you know, if they ever want to get a second opinion, I'm open minded to it because the reality of it is, is, uh, you know, the more information you have, you know, sometimes, well, not all the time, but sometimes, you know, it's not a bad idea. You might learn something new, but by and large, uh, I think people should take advantage of free advice. And for a low fee, I would be, um, you know, someone that would instruct them like, yeah, you know, why don't you pay the fee and, you know, just see what they have to offer. And, you know, maybe we'll review it together, the pluses and the minuses to make an informed decision. Yeah, it's a good point. And, uh, you know, advice is great. And uh, just keep that in mind when you're looking at those plans. What about 401k loans? A lot of people view that as a juicy opportunity to tap into some of those hard-earned dollars that have been saved for years. Is that a good idea or a bad idea for most folks? Well, I would say it depends on the facts and circumstances, but uh, I'll just give you a real life story. Maybe about like five years ago, my daughter and my son-in-law, they, uh, you know, they basically were paying PMI, uh, primary mortgage insurance on their mortgage. And I think that happens when people don't put uh, at least 20% down on their, uh, on their, on their home. And what happened was uh, it was such a, an enormous amount of money that they were like throwing out each and every month that I instructed them that, hey, why don't you just get a loan? But, you know, if they got a loan from a bank, basically the PMI would still, you know, be part of their monthly uh, payment. So what they did is they inquired amongst their uh, employers whether they offered a, uh, you know, a 401k loan from their 401k program, and they did. So what they ended up doing is you know, they got $30,000 loan. Uh, basically paid their mortgage down 30000 got rid of the PMI. And, you know, the bonus was that the interest that the company was charging, I think it was like 4%, it was actually being paid back into their account. So they took a five-year loan. I mean, I think the loan has already been paid. 
paid. It's been close to five years and uh, they saved tons of money in PMI uh, mortgage insurance. And for them, it worked out well. Uh, if someone were to, uh, you know, take a 401k loan from their uh, employer and then leave their job, uh, they have to pay that back uh, within a certain period of time. And if not, they're going to get taxed on it. So again, it really depends on the facts and circumstances. It can work in one particular circumstance and not in another, but it's great to know that it's available. And uh, I think it might not be a bad idea, um, you know, for most people. Definitely a creative use of the 401k loan in that uh, specific example you mentioned, Charles, would never have even thought of that as a solution. So that's pretty interesting. Um, similarly to the loan question, this is obviously another very popular question for, among a lot of folks. 401k rollovers. When does a rollover make sense and when does it not? Okay, so 401k rollover. So, um, I mean, basically what you've got to do is you got to compare like what's the cost of staying where I am and what's the cost of moving the money to an alternative investment. And generally speaking, those costs are probably pretty much the same. But the big thing is when you, you uh, have a 401k rollover into a traditional IRA or wh wherever, uh, you usually have more choices. So the universe of investments grows substantially when you move your money out of your 401k because as a general rule, most companies, they don't have 100 different choices, thank God. They might have uh, you know 12 to 20 different choices where in the real world, the universe, when you move it to a traditional IRA, by and large, the universe, you know, is your playground. So I would say that someone who wants access to a variety of, of investments would be, you know, more open to moving their money out of a, a 401k into a, a traditional IRA. Now, that's not always the case because there are people that have company-owned stock in their 401k. And there's a certain thing called net unrealized appreciation. And what that means is, let's just say that I'm an employee of uh, Amazon and uh, I get stock options. And I, I, you know, I basically am a permitted to purchase Amazon at a discount in my 401k. Well, if I decide to leave Amazon or move my money from my Amazon 401k and I am heavily concentrated in Amazon stock and that stock went way, way up, it might be more advantageous for me to actually like take the money out and pay capital gains on that stock and then roll the remaining balance into a traditional IRA. So, you know, just to answer your question, like the 401k rollovers, it does make sense in most cases, but you have to be aware if you own company-owned stock in that plan because there might be an opportunity to pay a reduced tax maybe 15% instead of 25, 32% on that account balance when you do the rollover. Very cool, Charles. Uh, good to consider all those different angles. A couple more FAQ questions for you about 401ks. Let's talk about target date funds. Are they good options for most people? I, I was actually just kind of adjusting some things in my wife's 403b, you know, same thing as a 401k essentially, uh, 403b about, you know, election changes and how much to contribute and where and those kinds of things. And it was just interesting while I was in there, it was really just saying, it was really kind of promoting the target date funds of like, hey, do you want the really easy, done for you, um, you know, logical option? Choose this one. Or do you want this very dangerous decision of not choosing a target date fund? It was kind of interesting the way they were presenting the options. At least that's how I took it when I was, um, you know, working my way through the, the, the settings changes. So what about target date funds should we know? 
Well, I mean, I have to, to say off the get-go, I have a bias towards uh, target date funds. And, and the reason being is um, I really like to have uh, my monies that are in stocks. I like to have them in large companies, small companies, value-type investments, growth-type investments, domestic investments, international investments. And when I'm in a target date fund, I have stock according to like, you know, what year I'm going to retire, but I don't really know what really that stock is. Is it like world stock? Is it, um, you know, domestic stock? Is it like just large company stock? So I think you lose uh, the ability to maybe diversify a little bit more when you're in a target date fund. And then also, um, you know, again, I know that if I'm going to retire 20 years from now, uh, you know, maybe I have a low allocation towards fixed income. But um, the reality of it is, is like, I want to pick my own fixed income. I want to pick my own individual, you know, stock holdings, you know, whether it's large, small, growth, value, domestic, international, and target date funds aren't suitable for me. And I think most investors, if they understood that, hey, you might be a lot more diversified by having these eight funds as opposed to this one fund, they might tend to agree with me. Mm, that's a good point too, Charles. Um, so target date funds, interesting to think about the benefits and the pros and cons there. Then we have the conversation about contribution amounts. Now, if you have an employer offering to match your contributions, I think everybody would agree it makes sense to take advantage of that employer match. Should you just contribute enough to, to reach that company match or should you put in more if you can? Well, obviously, I think that the easy answer is like you put up into the company match no matter what, because that's free money. So then the, really the, the second question is, hey, should I put in more over and above the company match? And it really depends on what your account balance is and you know when you're going to retire. So let me give an example. Let's say that you have someone in their uh, early 60s that they're not going to retire till maybe five years from now, and they have a million dollars in their 401k, and they come to me for a financial plan. And the financial plan says, hey, my company puts uh, 6% of my salary in there, and then after that, I can put up to you know 20% or whatever of my salary. Well, I might instruct them to, uh, to just put up to the company match. And the reason being is they already have a million dollars in their account. And at 6%, you know, money doubles in 12 years. So they'll have $2 million in that account 12 years from now, even if they don't put another nickel in there, if it just makes an average return of 6%. So I see a massive income tax problem down the road when they're forced to take the money out at age 72. So in that example, I might say, hey, put up to the company match and the difference, let's earmark some of those dollars to maybe pay taxes on the 401k uh, that you already have in there or some IRAs that you might have on the side. I'm more interested in after-tax income than what the total uh, you know, 401k balance is. So I'm looking at after-tax balances, not pre-tax balances. So um, you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, obviously, if you're just starting out, you, know, you might want to fund it up to, you want to put the most in up to a certain amount. When I say a certain amount, I think each individual, if they had $300,000 in their 401k, I'm comfortable with that. Why? Well, the government gives you a standard deduction, round numbers, let's call it 15000 you're, you're You got $300,000 in, in your uh, 401k upon retirement. Uh, you got to take out a minimum distribution, say a 4% 
4% of 300,000 is only 12 grand. Now I know they can take 12 grand a year out of their 401k at age 72 and a half, and in theory not pay any taxes because their standard deduction is gonna wipe out that income. But as it grows and grows and grows, then they'd be subject to taxation. And the way they're printing money today, and who knows what's gonna happen in the future, but chances are taxes are gonna be massively higher than they are today. So I would uh, encourage people to uh, really look at their current balance, project what it's gonna be at or near retirement, and maybe look for alternative investments that could give them after-tax income. You've been generous to uh, dedicate all this time to talking about 401ks on the show today, Charles. One more question for you as we, uh, you know, again, these are the, the frequently asked questions we get about 401ks. Roth versus traditional, a good conversation to have here, I think. If you have a Roth option in your 401k, should you take advantage of it or no? So before I answer that question, I'll just you know, a story that I heard many, many years ago, there was a farmer that, um, you know, basically needed seed to actually uh, plant to, you know, have a crop come up. And he went to the general store to purchase a seed. And right before he went to pay for it, the uh, clerk behind the counter said, hey, Mr. Farmer, uh, do you want to pay the tax on the seed now? Or do you want to pay the tax on the harvest when, it, you know, when the harvest comes? And if you ask 100 people that question, I would imagine most people would say, hey, I'd rather pay the tax now, get rid of it, and have my harvest all tax-free. Well, you know, that's kind of like what my thinking is today. I mean, if someone had a Roth option in their 401k, I would say, you know what, pay the tax today unless you're in the highest bracket, 37%. I guess that's really the answer I'm thinking out loud. If you're in a 37% bracket today, chances are you, you probably won't, even though I can't guarantee it, being a 37% tax bracket when you retire. So I would say, hey, max out your 401k contribution today. But if you think you're going to be in the same or greater tax bracket when you retire, I would opt to put the bulk of my money in a Roth 401k. And one last uh, example, we have uh, we just worked on a plan for uh, a married couple. They have no children. They got $1.8 million in their uh, 403Bs. They have a 403B like you and your wife do, Walter, uh, and t- like your wife does. And uh, all that money's tax deferred. And they're still working for another two or three years. Well, when they met with me, I asked them if their uh, employer had a, 401, a 403B Roth IRA. And they just so happened that, that the employer did. So they're working for another two or three years. They're going to max out the 403B Roth account at their place of work. Uh, and as they're doing that, we're actually starting to draw money out of their uh, traditional 403B and start prepaying taxes at historically low rates. So um, I'm, I'm big on after-tax income, and I would say that each individual is, uh, is different, obviously, but uh, I would probably take the deduction up to like a $300,000 funded retirement account, then the balance I would start shifting to a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. A lot of moving parts to consider, but uh, this was helpful, I think, Charles, to get all these different angles kind of out there in the open about 401ks to talk right off the bat here, uh, all these different moving parts and things to know. I'm assuming all these are pretty common questions that you get in the office. Did we cover them all today? Uh, I think pretty much. I mean, you know, um, the big, the, the biggest uh, issue I get, like, what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost? Well, I don't know what anything's going to cost until so I figure out where you are, when the money is going to be needed. So I'll analyze what you're paying now. But, you know, it's the, some of the biggest questions are really like, you know, what will it cost to work with you? What's it cost to get a plan done? And we're like pretty transparent. You can go on our website. We actually, in the near future, are going to be posting some of our services. 
Very cool. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Let us know when that's up, and uh, we can certainly talk about it here on the show. And it's easy to get a look at all of these things. It all starts with just an initial conversation. If you want to start getting into some more details about your plan and find out what that relationship looks like, if you work with Charles and the team at CP Weldy Group, how they can help in these different areas that we discuss here on the show. It's easy to get in touch. All you have to do is call 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Or go online to cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. Hopefully we covered some issues that are important to you on today's show and helpful to learning a little bit more about your own situation. Charles, we appreciate the help on the program today, and we'll talk to you again on the next episode. Thank you, Walter. All right, that's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.